Ladies rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. So I hear we have some competition, Rachel. What's that competition, Roberta? There is a royal podcast launching hosted by a member of the royal family. You are right. Fergie, you're joining the Royal Airwaves. We cannot wait. I can't believe she's launching a podcast. Sarah Ferguson. It's called Tea Talks with the Duchess and Sarah. Her friend Sarah is also hosting with her. And they said they're going to spill highs and lows about the news, too. It's going to be really interesting. So anyways, welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. Of course, please email us, write us. We love hearing from our audience. Info at gallerypodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. We have a lot to catch up on. We do. And reminder, you can listen to us on wherever you get your podcasts, but also you can call us up on Alexa through Amazon Music, the easiest way to play us as you're getting ready, all that stuff. I love it. So Royal News, I mean... Megan, she's back on the scene. This was huge last night. I know. I feel like that's the headline. It feels like we have also so much. I feel like coronation withdrawal is not even a thing because the royal news just keeps churning. Social media blitz from the Waleses. We got that over the weekend. Like you said, Harry and Meghan sightings galore. They had a date night, the Ms. Foundation event. We've got Prince Andrew's real estate hissy fit. Are you following this, Roberta? A royal birthday, Barely. a royal anniversary, <laughs> and we're joined by Kristen Meinzer, a friend of the podcast, royal expert, and host of the brand new show podcast, The Daily Fail. Such a smart idea. So much in this episode, jam-packed. I know. So to get through that. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. We are sipping. I have to say, Rachel, I didn't make this cocktail, but I hope that you did. What oh, I it? mixed it up. I mixed it up last Good. night, though, because okay, that's fine. I just finished my breakfast, and I feel like I can't put Tell us what it rum is. in my belly. But it's basically, we did something ginger-inspired, because as we said, a big royal anniversary, Meghan and Harry's five-year wedding anniversary this week, which we're going to talk about coming up. One of the signature drinks that they were rumored to have at their wedding was called the When Harry Met Meghan. There isn't an exact recipe, but it's a rum-based drink with a hint of ginger ale. This is a girl that loves ginger ale, by the way. So just, I think, make it to your own liking, right? How was it? Did you enjoy it? I loved it. I loved Good. it. I mean, I feel like rum is so just smooth and easy. Yeah. But I did have a great cocktail over the weekend, by the way, that came in a bird glass in Brooklyn. I went out Ooh. for my wedding anniversary. Oh, and yes. It was like, Happy anniversary, Matt and Thank Rachel. you. Thank you. But it was it was uh, just a really cool drink. I've never had a cocktail in a bird glass. Google well, it, That guys. looks very cool. Very, very cool. The reason I didn't mix it up, and I'm a Debbie Downer this morning, and this episode, oh, no. I'm so sorry. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice is that I was supposed to get back into Philadelphia at 6 p.m. last night. and You were I flying home from Florida, right? And, yeah, and I didn't get back till midnight. Wait, what happened? <laughs> I uh, So I missed my connection because of storms. Then <gasps> um, there was nothing available. Everything is sold out for flights for the rest of the night in Philly. So I was going to have to leave at 7 a.m. this morning out of Atlanta, spend the night in Atlanta, but I was able to get on a flight to Newark that left at 8 p.m. And Dave drove one and a half hours to pick me up from Newark and drove one and a half hours back. And now he's already back in New York City for work this morning. And he is the hero of the week. So can everyone please Dave, clap for Dave? We're going to give a round of applause to Dave. Roberta, <laughs> Poor I'm guy. so Poor sorry. Guy. I still can't believe this is your first return home since the coronation as well. 
I know, I know. So I so was get in, you a coffee. <laughs> yeah, I was in Florida after, right after London, which was so nice to have my mom well, take Mother's care of my Day laundry too. and Mother's Day. I know for Mother's Day she got to do my laundry. No, um, it was so 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 nice to kind of decompress and come back here after that. I have just like everything is everywhere now and souvenirs everywhere. But it's it's great to be back. The souvenir so. unpacking is super fun. Not to take us on another tangent, final Janet, final Janet, final tangent. But we did, Roberta and I made it to Biscuiteers in Notting Hill and their coronation cookies were so amazing to the point that I didn't want to eat them. But yesterday I ate the first layer. And they're so good. <laughs> the, whole layer. I, the first layer was like the, the orb cookie and like oh. the chair cookie. I was like, I don't, I'm not as sentimental about these cookies. So I'll eat those. But anyways, they deliver to the U.S., you guys. They are delicious. I am lucky that only a couple cracked on the way back. I did have a few breakages of the cookies, but the mo- for the most part, they actually look pretty pristine. So that's good. All right. Should we get to our listener email, Yes, Rachel? yes, yes. Okay. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm sorry about your flight, but let's oh, dig in. Let's dig in. Liz wrote us this lovely email. She said, I've been a listener for about a year now, and I'm so grateful to have you two covering all the biggest royal events with such enthusiasm and very little bias. I listen to a couple other royal podcasts and find that they fail to give the same disclaimers about the sources for information, i.e. who made up the story about there being a place setting for Harry at the coronation lunch. It's so important to cover the royals with humility and attention to detail, both of which you do so well. My mom and I woke up early to watch the coronation live, and I even found myself wondering what you would have to say about it all the following week. Even though I felt a little envious about not being in London myself, I loved experiencing it all through your show. Thanks for the work, Liz. I'm so glad you feel this way, Liz. We've gotten a lot of emails about the coronation. We're trying to sift through them, and we'll dole them out each week. But this is wonderful to hear your guys' take, that you love the show. We're so happy to hear that. Thank you so much. A lot more to come. All right, this week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. As we teased at the top of the episode, Prince Harry and Meghan are celebrating five years. A lot has happened in these five years, and I feel like they were serving big five-year anniversary energy last night at the Women of Vision Awards, Roberta, right? Yes. There were even parallels with the images. I feel like I, the look that Meghan had, we had just a few Getty shots. But her gazing up at Harry at one point on the step and repeat just looked exactly like their engagement shoot at the Sunken Garden. I really, they don't that. age either. Yeah, <laughs> someone did a side by side on Twitter, and it is really, really sweet to see just how much they've lived through in the last five years. And also, you know, they're still the same. Yeah. Okay. But flashing back May 19th, 2018, I went to my camera roll and hilariously, I was nursing during their wedding. Like Finn is five now. So really Finn's lifespan is the length of their wedding. And I have videos of forcing, like Finn is on the couch as like a few months old and I'm like panning to the TV and then back to Finn who didn't care. But hopefully he's gotten like some royal immersion or something <laughs> by that. Wow. But but so as we recall, they married at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle and it truly was a different era, Roberta. Charles walked Megan down the aisle. You see, when you look back at photos, Jessica Mulroney and her twins were holding Megan's veil. The gospel choir singing Stand By Me. What a moment. The first kiss on those floral-covered steps at Windsor. And then, of course, Charlotte stealing the show with her wave. We're going to play a clip from Spare where Harry talks about the moment that Meghan met him in the aisle and what he was thinking. Indeed, as Meg came nearer and nearer, I was giving thanks for all my choices. Amazing that I could even hear the music over the sound of my own heartbeat as Meg stepped up, took my hand. The present dissolved. The past came rushing back. Our first tentative messages on Instagram, 
Our first meeting at Soho House. Our first trip to Botswana. Our first excited exchanges after my phone went into the river. Our first roast chicken. Our first flights back and forth across the Atlantic. The first time I told her, I love you. Hearing her say it back. Guy in splints. Steve the grumpy swan. The brutal fight to keep her safe from the press. And now here we were. The finishing line. The starting line. I mean, it's such a useful thing to hear his firsthand take always. We'll continually reference Spare. Anyways, I think the bottom line when you look back at five years ago was just that day had such a fairy tale feeling. I mean, we were just in Windsor for the coronation concert, Roberta, and I think the weather was exactly the same. A lot of times it's rainy, but we got to experience a day that was likely exactly what they did, where it was sunny and beautiful and seeing the size of the streets and knowing how close you could probably even get to the carriage as it went through the streets, right? Yeah, the town was so stunning. And it was it was lovely to kind of picture them going in their carriage down those, like you said, those tiny, tiny little streets in Windsor. But gosh, to see the Prince Harry pub on their way, I'm sure oh, yes. they passed that on their way. We had a cocktail there before the show, which was great. All the, all the photos on the walls from their wedding. But, you know, again, back to Spare, Harry did talk about so many things that related to this day. He talked about wedding planning with his dad and how much Meghan and Charles really hit it off, especially about the musical selections. And they just really seemed to kind of come alive together talking about that. Also, we learned about William's anger that Harry got to keep his beard for the wedding. Tierragate, revisiting those chapters, just the role that Angela Kelly played in getting the, what ended up being the Queen Mary Bandeau tiara for her fittings, and the fact that Meghan almost wore the Spencer tiara down the aisle, which would have drawn so many parallels between her and Diana, all of that. It's just fascinating what we know now, and also, again, how much has happened in five years. Yeah, I have to go back and read Spare and see what he reveals about the reception. I think that's some of my favorite things is like in the docuseries, you see that um, uh, Land of a Thousand Dances, I think it's oh, called. Yes. Their first uh, their first dance. You know, some of those scenes are just like so incredible to look back on and a truly behind the curtain glimpse of how that day really was. So. I know, we need to rewatch those wedding scenes. You're right from the docuseries. Okay, present day, Harry and Meghan have been all over the place this week. First, we saw them having sushi with Cameron Diaz and Gwyneth Paltrow. We also saw them meet with AHA Santa Barbara this week to chat mental well-being and the impact of social media in the digital age. What do you think they talked about with Gwyneth and Cameron Diaz? Like, we have to discuss this really quick. What did they talk about? I mean, the TIG 2.0? Like, Goop parallels? Goop and the TIG collab? It's coming. What is the description of fashion these days? It's like stealth wealth or something. I feel like Megan and, and Gwyneth have very similar aesthetics. Like a succession. Yeah, I, I could so see that. But then Cameron Diaz. I know, I know. And then Beyonce has the new hair care line. I'm like, all these celebrities have their own beauty lines. Jennifer Aniston has a Like, there's there's got to be something. This is a collab between three powerhouse women. I hope that we see this. And their spouses. We're I'm all making there too. this up. I'm manifesting it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. But Women of Vision Awards, mic drop moment last night, Roberta. The gold dress. Oh my gosh. I don't really want to make it all vision. about fashion, but like it tells a huge story, right? 
Great. It's called The Ideal Universe Dress by Joanna Ortiz. I feel like that name has so much. I looked up what the five-year anniversary gift is, and the modern gift is actually silver. So I was like, okay, Hmm. it's not. maybe she should have worn silver, but I loved it. She looked glowing. She had like the tan lines from laying out by the pool in Montecito. Someone mentioned, I think this was Duchess M.M. Grace, the Little Mermaid reference because it looks like scales on that. And I think, you know, that movie is going to be so huge. But also Um, Megan talked to Oprah about losing her voice similar to the Little Mermaid Oh, yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And Harry helped, Harry's her prince who helped her find it. Yeah, but I also think with the gold, it was the 50th anniversary gala of the Ms. Foundation. So I think that that was very appropriate because gold is the anniversary. That's what you do in that 50th year. Did you hear her walkout song too? It was Alicia Keys. This girl is on fire. And I was like, okay, well, perfect. Well, the other comparison with the gold though is coronation vibes. Did you think that at all? I, when I looked back at pictures of from the coronation and on Getty images of Charles just decked out in some of those robes, the crown. She has to be saying, while I wasn't there, I'm still, I can still drip in gold as well. I don't know. I don't know if that's too far flung. <laughs> I'm still but glittering. I feel like it's yes. a message. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I did, I thought it was so exciting to see her. Harry was there. Doria was there. Uh, Doria, like that's kind of my favorite moment of the night, actually. I feel like yeah. Doria looks stunning in her, I believe, it's Armani dress and gosh, so gorgeous. But also let Megan shine. She had, you know, Doria's in all black and Megan has the sparkly gold. So I know. My eyes immediately Supportive. went to the Hertz rental car entrance. Like <laughs> that she blended so in with. Great. Everyone's talking about that, but I just thought that was so funny because obviously like, it's gotta really be a back door. I know, but I thought that it was great advertising for Hertz. I was like, oh, do I need to rent a car? <laughs> and then on a more somber note, I don't know if you caught the videos of their exit and how briskly they moved to the car. And I just mm. can't help but go back to the docuseries with just what's preying on their minds in those moments because mm-hmm. of security and things like that. But yeah. anyways, so amazing to see her. I was going to end on a day that um, Kate also wore a kind of gold thing, but it was a goldish, yellowish blazer the same day for an outing. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. Like so much gold recently from the Royals. So. Yeah. I don't know. I always love the sunshine yellow from Kate. I feel like yellow, I've talked about this here. I just like Makes me yeah, so it was happy. more sunshine. It's a hard yeah. color. Yeah. Honorable mention, real quick in the history section happy birthday belatedly to Zara Tyndall. She turned 42 on May 15th. All right, let's hit the news. Let's hit it. So, some Wales updates. We have that highly produced coronation video. If you missed it, which how could you? It's on YouTube. Here's a clip from that. Good evening, Your Majesties. Good evening, Windsor. A huge thank you to everyone for making this such a special evening. Welcome to the Coronation Concert! So we saw that clip. Rachel, you probably watched the whole video, right, on YouTube? I did. I just was so impressed by sort of the Hollywood treatment of Kate and William. But I I do think they do such a great job. And I love Will War. His talents are incredible. Yeah, he's the same videographer you guys will remember as their 10th anniversary video. That was that family kind of music video filmed on the Norfolk beaches. So, so good. It's funny to me, though, he's really in the room with these people, like in the reception with all those state leaders. He's behind the scenes at the concert. He's at Windsor. You know, it's 
kind of funny because I think with the the Netflix stuff, it was always that if Harry and Meghan come back over, they're not going to be able to bring their own cameras to these things. And now Kate and William are kind of doing that where they're just putting their cameramen and videographers in the room where it happens. And so just very interesting to see there is some level of celebrity to this. It's just that it's not on Netflix. So anyways, their social media game is really stepped up. Yeah, and I think also the recognition clearly that the Waleses are in their social media team of the mm. marketing tool that is the behind the scenes. Yeah. Because I also felt like as a viewer, especially because we were there, just kind of getting to see those glimpses of what was happening behind the scenes, especially in the video, the coronation concert arrivals. Because us on the ground, we were sitting there checking our watches like, what's going on? And now to see, well, wait, they had to capture the footage. You know, I know it was fly on the wall type filming, but I'm sure it delayed some of it. We got a letter about that. Uh, sorry, an email, a letter, old school, an email about that from a listener saying that actually when they were watching the concert live, nothing seemed late. It was perfectly timed with how um, there was programming. Let me find it really quick so I can make sure. But I was, I thought that was so interesting because you and I felt like they were so late to get there. And then... um Oh, so he said, I can tell you that having watched, so Chris wrote us and he said, I can tell you that having watched it live on PBS, there was a 30 minute pre-concert TV special presented by the BBC where they were interviewing participants. They actually had to cut those interviews short for when the king and queen arrived. So I guess the timing of everything was a little bit off because they actually cut the red carpet interview short to get to the king and queen. So Good to know. Good to know that they weren't late, but still fascinating. We also got a video of Kate Middleton playing on the piano. I like this headline from Vulture, Kate Middleton Fiddleton's on the piano. She was playing for the (laughs) Eurovision Finals 2023 in Liverpool. They did a big pre-recorded video with Kalush Orchestra, the winners from last year in the Ukraine, and they... It's part of a song for Stefania, which is what they won with last year. Of course, it would have been held in Ukraine, the winner's home country, but because of the war with Russia, it was held in Liverpool this year. And here's a clip from that. Other famous faces in that, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Sam Ryder, Joss Stone, the rapper Miss Banks. Really cool video. Kate looking stunning in blue, Jenny Peckham. The color, the blue of Ukraine from the flag. Just amazing to see her play again after the 2021 Royal Carol concert. That's the last time we saw her. Her piano skills astound me. I just, with Eurovision stuff, also always think of the Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams movie. Did you ever watch that? It was so (laughs) good. So good. I kind of was like a little disappointed. I just was like, uh, I wish it was funnier. I feel like Will Ferrell is, is great, though. He's hilarious. Yes, but, yes. Uh, Laura Ann's comment, though, all that's pretty. She, her comment went viral with like, I think like 3,000 likes. And her comment was, what can't Kate do on the video? So, so true. So true. All right. Time to move on. Um, Roberta, I did just want to interject before we move on that news, we just got this alert that news is breaking. Deadline is reporting that Meghan and Harry were involved in a really big paparazzi chase in New York last night. We don't know the details. Um, It says it lasted for two hours after (gasps) the Women of Vision Awards and that resulted in multiple near collisions involving other drivers in the road, pedestrians, and two NYPD officers, which is terrifying. We were just talking about their exit. I have chills We will definitely be reporting on this as news kind of comes to light about it, but I just wanted to bring it up because it just happened. 
Yeah, and especially I think what we all know from Spare is the Well Child Award paparazzi chase as mm-hmm. well, That how dangerous that was and how scary that was. And that was in London when I think Harry was really worried about security. So yeah. it can happen anywhere. But yeah, we'll keep you guys posted. That's breaking. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. We're finding we'll out more. That. Yeah. Well, I guess this is on a separate Harry note, but obviously we're going to just speak briefly about this. His court case against the Mirror Group is continuing on. It's about a week in. The trial kicked off last week on May 10th. And Harry, as a reminder, is just one of many celebrities that are going after the Mirror Group for unlawful phone hacking. I think the main development, which was kind of major this week, was that Omid Scobie, who wrote Finding Freedom, testified on Harry's behalf, revealing that as an intern for Mirror Group, he was asked to hack phones and given a short list of celebrities web phone numbers to call. He also illuminated the fact that Piers Morgan, editor at the time, was very much aware of the illegal activities. So I think his role in all of this is fascinating. Uh, I mean, omids, of course. Yeah. And as the biographer, too, it's so interesting to be a witness in Harry's case now. It's like it's very full circle for him. Absolutely. And Kate's name actually came up this week, too. It was said that she received suspicious calls on numerous occasions ahead of her marriage to William. Also, Chelsea Davy did. And Harry's says that this contributed to a lot of paranoia for him, for Chelsea, for everyone involved, because they didn't know what was going on. So I just keep thinking as I follow along, this case is supposed to last seven weeks, how hard it must be to revisit all of this for people, not just Harry, but yeah. Chelsea, and their names are all a part of it. And so I think that, you know, Harry, as I said, is one of many celebs, but it's such an important case. So I'm yeah. Looking forward to seeing how it unfolds. And we don't even know if, like, they want him to fight the good fight for them. You know, like, th- I think that was kind of clear when Tampongate, that resurfaced right before the coronation. Like, he is bringing up a lot for these people. And it seems like, of course, it would be good for everyone if this gets resolved and if people are held accountable, the press is held accountable. But it does feel like he is kind of bringing in royal family members that might not want to be involved in this case at all. So I think that's the whole argument, right? Of like, this is the hard thing about going to trial is you have to resurface all of these hard things. And it seems like that was the argument is that with whatever backdoor deal was arranged between the royal family and the papers is it was to avoid having to resurface so much of their privacy. Yeah. Yeah, but in his defense, he's like, I don't want this to happen to anyone else in yeah, our family. Yeah, I totally and it's support to it. So many, yeah. To I so think it's people. so right that he's doing it, but yeah. All right, now our lovely chat with someone who was at the royal wedding of Harry and Meghan, Kristen Meinzer. Rose, please give a warm welcome back to Kristen Meinzer, a longtime friend of the podcast. She's a royal expert and a regular commentator on all things royal for outlets ranging from CNN, The New York Times, NPR, and so much more. In royally adjacent news, she also recently launched a new show called The Daily Fail, which follows the trials and tribulations of the world's worst paper. Kristen, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to be here. First, tell us a little bit more about The Daily Fail. I need to know more. Well, in all of my years of doing Royals coverage, I have um, noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed too, that a certain tabloid out of the UK has essentially made its mission to write uh, racist, misogynistic coverage of all topics, but especially the Royals. And I've thought for a long time, I think it's important for the sake of media literacy, for the sake of laughing and punching up, 
that maybe we have a podcast where we analyze, dissect, and laugh at all of the problems of this kind of tabloid media. So that's why uh, my friend Maura and I launched Daily Fail. And every episode, we just cover three stories that seem to be the most outlandish stories of the week. Everything from, you know, terrible royal lip reading, which is always just awful, <laughs> to dangerous diets, like how I lost 80 pounds in 80 days. Oh, no. And we we oh, talk gosh. about those topics and what they're actually saying and what's right and wrong about them. And we like to think that we're um, smart. And I do have to say, Mora is one of the most hilarious people I've ever met in my life. So she keeps me laughing every episode from start to finish. I oh love gosh. it. We're somebody, subscribed. It's yes, great. Somebody oh, needs to you. provide a check on that uh, paper for <laughs> sure. I'm glad. Uh, well, Kristen, we know you watched The Coronation. And we want to hear your top line observations, your highs and lows. Tell us your general thoughts. Well, I was happy to see Harry there looking dapper. He always looks great, looking confident, uh, having some warm moments with his cousins where they all seem to be smiling and laughing and so on. That made me happy. Did you feel like he strutted down the Westminster Abbey aisle? There were some great memes of that. (laughs) Well, what I've said in other interviews is he looked completely comfortable. He looked completely confident. Uh, Anybody who wanted to push out the narrative, like the certain tabloid that I talk about in my podcast, (laughs) wanted to push out the narrative that, oh, look at how lonely he is. He's doing this walk by himself. Look at how broken he is now. It's like, he didn't look broken at all to me. He looked great. (laughs) So comfortable in his own skin, his life choices. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And sitting with his favorite cousins, I thought he looked great. Um, I also obviously was keeping my eye out for the truly disgraced member of the royal family, Mm. Andrew. And with all of his regalia and so on, I do have to say I had a major ick reaction to that. Didn't want to see that. Um, uh, He doesn't deserve to be in that regalia, in Mm -mm, my opinion. Not Um, at all. Other takeaways, it it was really fascinating for me to see all of the heads of states and diplomats coming in, especially those who chose to wear clothes that were very much in keeping with the history and cultures of where they came from. Mm. I just loved seeing, for example, uh, Japan come in. Like, yeah. wow, look at that kimono. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and and it was great. It kind of gave me the same feeling I get when I watch the Olympics, the opening ceremonies, where I get to cheer for all these people from around the world who are here and, you know, just trying to put a happy face on the situation, do the best they can and so on. So I thought that was really fun to see. Uh, other takeaways, I was a little bit weirded out by the way the anointing happened with okay. the four walls that suddenly went up. Mm. Um, I, I I thought it looked, you know, I, maybe this is an exaggeration. I don't mean it to be, but it's like, what is going on behind those walls? Why can't they just show us? Isn't he just being baptized? You know, yeah. forehead, chest, whatever. Queen Elizabeth, she just had a canopy over her and everybody still got to watch it all happen. Why is he right. being so secretive about it? It seemed yeah. really weird when his mom was, there was some sort of like, you know, holy veil over the whole thing, but it's not like she was behind walls. So that seemed a little bit weird to me. Um, You know, maybe he knew that it was weird that with that anointing, he essentially became an extension of God and the head of the church. He essentially became, you know, half of the Pope there. And maybe he knew that was weird. I'm not sure. That's Um, a good call. Yeah. There there is something, in my opinion, a little bit odd about that. (laughs) But I I still feel like it should be more transparent. We we should be able to see it. Yeah, because I think that was the narrative before the coronation was that it it would be shown for the world to see. And then 
it was behind these screens, which were beautiful. It was, I think, the Royal School of Needlework. But still, I yeah, that was the total opposite of what they had told us, I think. I think that was my reaction as I was so distracted by the beauty of those tapestries on the screen that I wasn't really thinking, I need a full rewatch. Because Roberta and I were there. We were in Green Park, and I feel like there was so mm-hmm. much off screen that we were distracted by. So I need to rewatch the whole yeah. proceeding. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed, I'm sure a lot of people noticed this, was Charles, for the most part, seemed charitably either very serious, but less charitably sad or somber or maybe like, oh, God, now that I'm in my (laughs) mid-70s, I finally have this job. He didn't look happy. Yes. A lot of people are talking about that. And I've been noticing just also in the contrast to Camilla, who did look very glowy and and had this warm look on her face throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She looked so happy, and Charles. Why do you did think not. that is, so, Kristen? Why do you, what are your, what's your take? I mean, I I think that Charles. A, a lot of biographers have said over the years that he has felt that he has been the world's biggest victim in lots of ways. He hasn't been able to choose his own life. He has to live with the weight of history and obligation constantly on his shoulders. He didn't get to choose his own path. He has a life of uh, expectation, and uh, I mean. It's kind of a poor little rich boy narrative in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Where it's yeah. like, like, oh, no, he's worth two billion pounds. Oh, yeah. poor you. Yeah. <laughs> you live in a castle. You're, the crown that's on your head is made out of stolen jewels. Like <laughs> He has everything a person could possibly need or want in certain ways. But in other ways, he has seen himself his whole life as you know, not being able to live a life of his choosing. So. Yeah. I, I can see where this is kind of the culmination of all of that. He's like, you know what? I did everything I was supposed to. I lived by the rules. And now this is it. This is the moment where everything I had to do up until now was just turning into this. And maybe that's how he felt. Or maybe he knew that the weight of the crown was something he was never going to be able to carry as well as his mm. mother. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Do we give yeah. any credit to the lip readers? Do you think Charles was holding a lot of stress about the day going off perfectly and it started a little bit off with <laughs> if we're if we're believing that he said that in the in the coach? <laughs> I don't know. I take lip readers with a grain of salt. Yes, there, we do too. <laughs> yeah, there, there is um I think it's called bad lip reading, which oh is an gosh. Instagram and TikTok channel. I'm which so glad you brought frequently, this. It's hilarious. And they also, um, in addition to covering all sorts of celebrities whispering to each other and politicians and so on, they also have one where Megan and Harry on their wedding day, oh, yes. their lips move along perfectly with, I got you a golden unicycle. I don't really want that gift. So it's amazing. Lips can look like they're saying things that they're not saying at all. Yes. That's what I was laughing about when people were like, what did he say? They said, he said, this is annoying. He was like, this is boring. I I don't know how we got here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I believe that he probably was annoyed in lots of ways. He has unfortunately shown himself to have a bit of uh, temper with regard to things that really aren't that upsetting. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, one of his first acts as king was signing certain documents and he was just yelling at pens. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he has a short temper. We remember pens get that. frustrating, Kristen. They really do. <laughs> those pens are so maddening. <laughs> yes. They're always doing that thing, those pens. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, one thing we were curious about, too, and this was the conversation a lot when we were in the UK, is royal watching, does it fall off a cliff for a bit? What aspects of the House of Windsor are you now looking forward to or what do you have your eyes on? You know, it's in some ways such a shame because I think the royal family, the firm, the institution, I mean, um, they really shot themselves in the foot by not doing more to embrace and protect 
Harry and Meghan. That was the best thing that happened to their brand in the last, you know, 10 or 20 years. It, it's it's a huge moment where people who didn't even care about the royals suddenly were very fascinated with the royals. People all over the world saw themselves in Meghan. Yes, she's a movie star and she's beautiful, but, you know, she, like me, she has more melanin. She uh, looks a little bit more like the people in the Commonwealth. Um, and they really, really ruined things for themselves. And also, in some ways, you know, Megan and Harry, people, we we all love Megan and Harry, right? But Megan and Harry, in a lot of ways, were even more relevant when they were with the royal family in certain mm-hmm. ways. Um, I'm not saying they're not relevant now and they're not doing great things, but um, they just had a larger platform, I guess is what I mean. They could do way more engagements. They could do more things um, charitably more things with philanthropy and so on than they can do right now. Because right now they're also just trying to be regular citizens, famous citizens, mind you, but citizens who make a living and who have to pay for their own security, who have to pay their own mortgage and so on. So um, when they were with the royal family, they did have a platform to do a lot more. They were constrained, obviously, but they were able to do like, you know, over 100 engagements a year. They just logistically can't do those kinds of numbers of engagements yeah, anymore. And, and so yeah. without them, I mean, because it is exactly as you said, it's so unfortunate, but without Harry and Meghan, are you going to be tuned in to the House of Windsor anymore, Kristen? Like, are you going to follow along with Charles's reign or does does it, do you, I we, we were trying to answer this. We just aren't sure. I mean, definitely we'll be tuned in, but will the majority <laughs> of people? Yeah. I mean, I think the most interesting part of that royal family had to leave for understandable reasons, Harry and Meghan. They were the most interesting part of the family. Um, But I am going to be paying attention to whether or not Charles actually modernizes in certain ways. And when I say modernize, I mean mostly dealing with the big elephant in the room, which is colonialism, Mm. which is racism, which is the role that the royal family played in the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, The fact that they have so many you know, where did all these jewels come from? Where did all this wealth come from? It came from either theft or from uh, the backs of, you know, other people's labor. They know that they are in trouble in certain ways. The disastrous Caribbean tour with William and Kate last year, people were vocal. We don't want you as king, you know? And I'll be really curious to see how Charles is king, how he's going to deal with this. Uh, What is he going to acknowledge? What is he going to apologize for? Will there be any reparations? Will there be goods that are returned to certain nations that should be returned? So those are the main things I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, I I like to think of myself as an anti-racist royal watcher and an anti-misogyny royal watcher. So that's a lot of what I'm going to be watching for. Is he going to be making good on some of these yeah. things? Yeah. And I think I have a little bit of optimism there with Charles's thoughtfulness and mm-hmm. intelligence. And hopefully he's in this position now that the coronation is behind him that he can roll up his sleeves and dig in on this. And that's what I'm also looking for. And I think both Roberta and I, too, is how this begins. He has a real opportunity yeah. here. So hopefully he uses it well. I hope yeah. so. I, I really do. Um, I hope that the fact that he took a first step and agreed, yes, research can be done into the royal family's role in, you know, uh, racism and so on and in slavery. He essentially said, I will cooperate. You can have access to our documents and so on. Not that you have to look into that many documents to know that the royal family 
played a major role in slavery and so on. We all know those documents. You don't even have to go into his library to find that. But mm-hmm. the fact that he's cooperating, I like to think, is hopefully the first in many hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of steps that the royal family makes to um, move toward a better yeah, future. Definitely. Yes. Well, speaking of um, Harry and Meghan, it's their five-year wedding anniversary this week on May 19th. You were there at the big royal wedding. Yes. So what yes. would be your state of the union on the Sussexes right now? Well, they, when they got married, it, I, I've always said it was the happiest day of all of our lives. And it was perfectly sunny gorgeous. in Windsor, right? When they got, because that's, we were there for the beautiful. coronation concert. And every time I've gone, it's been so overcast and it was such a beautiful moment to glimpse what it was likely like on their day. It was a beautiful day. It was a day of celebration around the world. Um, there were tens of thousands of people from, you know, every corner of the earth celebrating, people from the Americas, people from Australia, every continent, Africa, um, all there just feeling like this is a magic moment. This is uniting the world. This is an American princess of color. This is, you know, Diana's son getting married. It was such a day of celebration and a day of hope. It really was. And since then, it's been heartbreaking to see what has gone wrong. It's been heartbreaking to see the royal families never complain, never explain motto, somehow extend to things like racism, which this is something we should all be complaining about. This is not something that you keep your mouth shut on, you know? Keep your mouth shut if someone's saying, I don't like your fascinator. Go ahead. You don't have to say anything about that. But <laughs> We love yeah. your fascinator. Racism, that's something different. Yes, we should oh, call out that you. Kristen is wearing a fascinator. And we love it. We're honored. <laughs> oh, gosh. I have to look good oh. for you two. You two are so great. Um, but it's been heartbreaking to see that. And my God, that interview, that um, that Oprah interview where we all learned about you know, the very real suicidal ideation about the heartbreak about the discord in the family that that was heartbreaking and i know a lot of people felt like the royal family doesn't deserve these two after hearing mm-hmm. that you know what they went through but then wow i have to say it's been fantastic to see what they've done mm-hmm. since then you know they have laid out a course for themselves that i think has been truly what works for them. They found ways to make their own money. Uh, Megan's podcast, it was a huge hit. It won awards. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry's book is the best-selling nonfiction book of all time at this point, right? And they, they've both been wildly successful. Their Netflix series, the highest rated documentary of all time on Netflix. They have done charity work. Uh, they have done, um, you know, surprise appearances, at moments where we were all thrilled to see them. I, I'm really happy for them. I'm really happy that they found this new path for themselves. There is still a part of me that wishes that, you know, Charles, William, Kate, all of them, that there was some amends there where there were public apologies, where they would reach out from across the pond and say, we should have done better. Mm-hmm. Um please come back. We will protect you this time. You can be half in, half out. You can still be partly private citizens and work on behalf of the crown. Um, And we love you and we want the whole world to see that we love you and we want to work together. That would be wonderful if that could happen. Mm -hmm. I would love that. that would be the real win. I think that's what we would love to see is that sort of open arm. Yeah. 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 I mean, both um, for the business of the royals, but just as individuals, I, I think all of us know what it's like to have um, d- 
discord in families, if not our own families. We have people we've loved who've been estranged from family members, and it can be really painful. Sometimes it's best to keep that estrangement going forever, But um, and, and I'm all for that. If people need to never talk to certain family members again, I, I definitely have family members where that's the case. But if there is a way to heal this um, that everybody can be happy with, I think that would be yeah. great too because um, it, it, it can be heartbreaking. And yeah. I, I, I do think that the world would love to see some apologies on the side of, you know, Charles and William and Kate, some apologies and some promises to do better going forward. I would love yeah. to see that. I think that's what I Absolutely. kept going back to seeing Harry at the coronation. And I wonder, have your thoughts changed in this post-spare world? I mean, what what were your thoughts on Harry's memoir? And has that changed how you feel about the couple? Um, I I thought the memoir was a brilliant mm-hmm. move because the overall thesis of Harry's book is I have never been able to have my privacy. It's been invaded my whole life. My life was destroyed by paparazzi and tabloids. My mom's life was destroyed by paparazzi and tabloids. And they have leaked stories. They have misinterpreted stories. They have told outright lies. They have tapped phones. They've followed us. They've used long lenses. What I'm going to do is just tell everybody everything now so it can never be used against me, so there can never be speculation again. I know there were some critics saying, did he really have to tell us about his frostnip penis or how he had (laughs) sex the first time? And I'm saying, yes, he Mm. did. He needed to put everything out there so no tabloid ever again can make up the story of how he lost his virginity. So no tabloid again can make up a story about his penis or whatever it is because he put the story out there first. That's Mm -hmm. like PR 101, get ahead of the story. And he was able to do it in his book. And um, so I, I thought it was a brilliant PR move. I understand a lot of people also think that he made things worse with his family by airing all the dirty laundry. And to that, I say, you know who else did that? Yeah. Charles with his book with Jonathan Dimbledy and his primetime TV special with Dimbledy. Yeah. If anybody did it first, it was Charles. Charles did it first. His mom did it first. Uh, many members of the royal family also have biographies they've collaborated on or autobiographies they've written themselves or um, primetime specials. So anybody pointing the finger at Harry here, I think, has to remember he probably learned it from watching his dad you yeah, know, a royal and his playbook. mom. Yeah. Yes. it's He's not the first one to do this. His mom and dad did yeah. it too. Yeah. Kristen, we absolutely love all your opinions. I wanted to get one more quick hot take on this news that broke last night. Fergie, I think of you as the queen of podcasts, so I want your take. <laughs> Fergie is launching a podcast. Are you excited? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am excited. I'm actually um, going to be reading um, Finding Sarah because I'm going to be on another podcast soon where we um, analyze Finding Sarah. That's the memoir she wrote many, many oh. years ago. And so I um, I have that um, book and I'm about to read it, but I was Googling some things about her and then that came up right away and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can hardly wait to read the book while listening to her podcast side by side and see what stories have changed. What is she going to reveal more of now that you know she only hinted at before? Um, I'm fascinated because you know, a lot of us think of her as kind of the misbehaving royal, right? She was in lots of ways very aristocratic, fit the mold. She was a horse girl like the queen. The queen supposedly really liked her a lot in the beginning. 
So in so many ways, she was such a proper aristocratic girl. But then in some ways, she was so naughty and so different. (laughs) And I'm not saying she's perfect. I do not like the fact that she has stood up so much for Andrew. Uh, Then again, I kind of understand why she does because she lives in his house. So maybe she feels an obligation to because, you know, this is my landlord, essentially, and I don't pay any rent to live here. Um, uh, Not a fan of that. But I also just I've always found her effervescent, energetic, uh, interesting. And I, I want to know what she's going to say. I want to know, wait. like, what is she going to admit to? What other crimes has she done <laughs> other than the, like, cash for interviews crimes that she's already committed? You know, she probably has done some n- more naughty the stuff we don't even know about and hopefully yeah. she'll tell us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be yes. great. We can't wait. Yeah. Kristen, thank you thank so you. much for joining us. And everyone, reminder to check out The Daily Fail um, wherever you get your podcasts, I believe, right? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. This was so Thank much you. fun. This is great. Kristen, of course, has a standing invitation to always come back on Royally Obsessed. So good to see her. I know. All right. Before we adjourn the Royal Potter highs and lows, it's time for the Royal highs and lows. My low, and I feel like in light of this car chase, I don't even know what to think, but I wanted to say that my low was also about last night in the Miss Foundation Awards. There was a heckler there that's been at other, the Ripple of Hope Awards that Harry Rat he was there too, I guess. He, he shouted it out in a British accent, something like, how does it feel to be a part of two torn families, Megan, or something? And it's just awful. It's really, really sad and Ugh, it, it's who does that? Who shouts things like that at people? The Twitter detectives are on it trying to find this person, but it really is horrible to shout something like that at her. I I hate it. Awful. I know, awful. Milo is just this all this back and forth on Prince Andrew and his Royal Lodge lease. He's supposedly refusing to leave Royal Lodge, even though Charles has cut off his 250000 annual stipend for repairs and maintenance. But he's we're seeing a lot of leaks tied to this, kind of woe is me leaks. But also, like, there's a reason this is all happening. And Charles is kind of putting him on the back burner. And I'm just so tired of the attempts at Andrew Redemption. Also, where is Fergie going to record her podcast if she has to move Ooh. out? Well, it's Frogmore Cottage, right? I don't know. I don't know the situation. Yes. My high this week is the gold dress and just all the she's back vibes. I think that that was such a um, return of Megan dress. And I'm very excited to see what else she has in store. Oh my gosh, Roberta. My high is also fashion related, but total left turn. Royal Windsor horse show fashion, specifically (laughs) Lady Louise. I am just really into this. Did you click that link and you can see her living her best life on the fourth day of the competition. She's wearing a me and M riding jacket. She's 19. She's got the fedora. She just has such a deep love of carriage driving that was infused by Prince Philip. And also just thinking about, you know, the queen was there last year. How has this much happened? Yeah. Yeah, She looks so great. Very chic. She's looking very, very chic. I think she would make the queen proud for sure with and that Philip, yeah it's amazing yeah. so on that note i feel like i'm stressed about this harry news but um we're gonna go check know, that out and more next uh, week probably more next week yes all right just a reminder before we close leave us a royal rating we would love a review on apple music or wherever you listen five stars pretty please Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and send us an email info at gallerypodcast.com. Until next week, God, God save, save the pod. The pod. 
Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.